Hey everyone, Nelson Roberto here. I just wanted to jump on before we begin and let you know that when we sat down to record, I must have messed up some setting on the microphone because in the recording, my voice is pitched a little bit higher than normal. If you know me, it's going to sound a little bit weird, but if you don't know me, this is what I normally sound like. All right, that's it. I hope you enjoy this wonderful conversation that we had. We're on family vacation in Florida. So it's me and my adopted family and um, they're uh, white and I'm Latino. And it was that trip that I was the first time that I could clearly see like my little brother was the product of them. Like I could see my parents in my little brother, right? Like, mm. like and it just created this feeling of like, where are the people who look like me? You're listening to Chemical Voices, a podcast exploring the lives of BIPOC, transracial adoptees, and survivors of complex trauma. Hi, I'm Jasmine, your host, a nurse, and trauma release practitioner, curiously observing the human experience. As a Black woman and survivor of human trafficking, I've encountered many, many hardships. On the road to recovery, I discovered that storytelling unites us at heart and is where we find healing, inspiration and encouragement. In each episode, you'll hear stories from courageous souls and we will touch on subjects such as identity confusion, the impacts of racism, complex trauma, transracial adoption and much more. How do we rise amid trials and tribulations? How do we invite softness into our lives? We touch on these and many other questions, so tune in to experience transformative storytelling and let's heal together. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Today, we have an incredible human being in the studio with an amazing story. I am so excited for you to meet this person. Um, welcome to Roberto Nilsson. <laughs> I hope I pronounced that right. That's that's great. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah, great welcome. So do you just want to start by presenting yourself and then let's dive right into your story? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Nelson DeWitt, uh, but it's also Roberto Cotto. I grew up as an adoptee in the Boston area and uh, growing up, my adoptive parents really couldn't tell me anything about my past, um, why I'd been given up for adoption, uh, the circumstances around that. Um, all we knew is that I had spent a year in an orphanage in Honduras, in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, and uh, that there had been some sort of traumatic event in my past. but. That was really it. We didn't know my actual age, uh, my birthday, any family history, nothing. And uh, so growing up, there was sort of this black hole around my past, not knowing really where I came from. Didn't even know my birthday. My, um, so then when I was 16, my adoptive father got a phone call out of the blue saying that my birth family from El Salvador, not Honduras, but El Salvador, had been looking for me for 15 years. And that I'd been separated from them during the war, during El Salvador's civil war. And uh, 
we learn this incredible family history that my, both my biological parents had been revolutionaries in the war in El Salvador. And uh, I had been with my mother during this kidnapping mission that she was on in Honduras. And that's where I had been separated after a shootout and, um, uh, or a police raid. And that led me to the orphanage and then being adopted to my parents uh, in the United States. And so I'm learning all of this when I'm 16, uh, which was quite a lot. And uh, I spent the rest of my high school and college years going down, getting to know this other family. I eventually developed really deep relationships with various members of that family. And currently I'm working on a documentary film about the disappeared children from El Salvador who are children who were forcibly separated during the war. And I'm also writing an autobiographical novel, which is uh, the reunion story told from my perspective of going down and getting to know my, my biological family. Wow. <laughs> I'm so blown away that I'm, I don't even know what to say right now. I don't even know what question to ask next. I just need some time to contemplate. <laughs> it's it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It is a lot. And there are so many questions. I, okay, let's just start from the start. So you said that you were born under the Civil War. Yeah, in El Salvador. Yeah. And then you were... I'm so sorry. I can't remember the exact thing you said. Was it it's, a foster? It's a very, it, yeah, it's a very complicated history. So mm -hmm. my, um, we can start in Zacanil, uh, El Salvador, mm -hmm. which is where I was born, uh, which mm -hmm. is a small neighborhood in the capital of San Salvador. And uh, my parents met in an apartment block in, uh, and they were high school uh, sweethearts, as it were. Aww. And uh, during that time in the late 70s, early 80s, there was a lot of civil unrest. And uh, it was met by sort of violent repression by the authoritarian government. So with not a lot of options, my parents sort of, who were just graduating, high school joined the revolution uh, and wow. they were sort of in the ground floor. Um, there's a lot of history there that's complicated that, that maybe is outside today's conversation, but mm -hmm. um, basically they both worked in the, the, as revolutionaries and they, you know, started having a family. Uh, I have an older brother, uh, older sister, older brother um, who are full biological siblings and uh, then I was born. And on the day that I was born or around then, my mother's picture appeared in the paper in El Salvador as a wanted terrorist. So uh, several months later, she had to flee the country and uh, was sent by the revolution to Honduras, where she was on this mission, um, essentially to kidnap a businessman um, and hold him for a ransom. And then the Honduran police found out they were there. They stormed the house. They killed everyone, including my, my mother, we think. Um, and I was found in the back room. And then that's how I ended up in the, in the orphanage. Uh, and, and I say, you know, this, this took years and years and years to piece together all of this because it, it's so much, right? <laughs> it and I is. think, um, yeah. 
you know, just backing up from like what we knew when I was 16 was really not all that, you know, we knew that I had been separated during the war. We knew that my parents were revolutionaries, which was already a lot, Yeah, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, may, maybe that's a good place to start in terms of the adoption is that, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I, I grew up not really knowing much of anything about my past. So mm-hmm. when I was 16 or, or sort of three days before my 16th birthday, I came home from summer camp. And uh, that night, my adoptive parents sat me down at the at the dining room table and they take out this pamphlet. Um, which looks like a church newsletter kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they point to uh, there, there's a man on the front cover who's sort of drawing blood from, uh, from someone. And they point to the picture and they say, this is Dr. Robert Kirshner. He works with this organization, Physicians for Human Rights. He contacted us uh, four weeks ago, just when you started going to camp. And he believes that... Uh, he's located your your biological family and he sent us uh dr robert kirshner sent us this investigative report that was put together that sort of traced uh traced me from the shootout to honduras what happened there all the way to the united states um my my parents were obviously overwhelmed uh to to learn that news i think my father was um, a little skeptical at first, not because he didn't like trust. It's just, it's so overwhelming, right? There's so mm-hmm. much information. Yeah. But when he talked to my my mom, they, it, my, 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 the alarm bell started going and she says, those, those dates, those names, those sound familiar. Um, so they, you know, they sit me down at the dinner table and they tell me all this and they tell me the background and what happened and who my parents were and that I have siblings and a grandmother and all of this stuff. And they sort of say like, well, uh, it's your decision if you want to take a DNA test and confirm that this is your family. And if you don't, then the organization who did this report will tell this family that, you know, they didn't find you. Yeah. Uh, So it was really uh, my decision to. Yeah investigate to to meet this family yeah wow 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 can we just take a moment to take a deep (laughs) breath i just feel it in my gut and in my heart that overwhelm and that i'm getting emotional on your behalf because you were 16 yeah 16 hearing all of this and being told it's up to you it's your choice i mean it's beautiful that your parents they weren't trying to push you in any direction and letting you know that it's you know solely up to you but that's big especially for a teen yeah yeah how how, um, how did that con- how did you feel during that conversation with your parents and can you explain a little about what were you going through? Like, what were you thinking? How did you feel? So it, it, it was kind of strange. Um, before, months before, uh, so I, I mentioned I'm working on a book and the first mm-hmm. scene in the book is 
we're on family vacation in Florida. So it's me and my adoptive family and um, they're uh, white and I'm Latino. And it was that trip that I was the first time that I could clearly see like my little brother was the product of them. Like I could see my parents in my little brother, right? Like, mm. like, and it just created this feeling of like, where are the people who look like me? Yeah. Right? And it wasn't, um, it, it wasn't that I, I, um, how do I try to say that, that I didn't love them or that I didn't want to be part of this family. It was just this sort of need to know, like, okay, like I see the biological resemblance. Where yeah. is that for me? Right. Yeah. So at, at that point, I had kind of thought that like maybe for my senior high school project, I would start searching for my family. But mm -hmm. then we got this, this phone call. And so when my parents sat me down and said, you know, this, this man does human, uh, uh, human rights investigative work in Central America. Mm -hmm. I knew like at that moment I'd found my family and you could oh. not have convinced me otherwise. Mm. I just knew it like in my gut, in my soul, mm. like mm. this is my family. So the choice of taking the DNA test for me wasn't really a choice. I was like, of course I'm going to, what, what do you mean? Like, this is my family. You don't have to like, <laughs> and I think that even carried on to the reunion where flying down I was very calm and relaxed and like I just knew that this this was it right um whereas my adoptive family understandably were quite nervous yeah, yeah. um so and that's not to say that it was easy by any means but I just sort of like knew and I think the hardest part of that sort of discovery package as we call it the the moment that I learned about the truth of where I came from was uh, finding out that my biological mother did not survive mm -hmm. and like that really hit me and yeah. I think it's not something that I really understood until years later and so until I started working on the documentary film and the book that I realized how impactful that moment was on me yeah because I think you know like as adopted people you you don't know about your birth father necessarily mm. you don't know about your siblings about you know extended family mm. you do know you have a mother yeah and so like for me that was the one person I wanted to meet yeah so the day that I found out I found my family mm. was also the day I found out I lost her yeah and that was that was the toughest part yeah I'm sorry. I'm getting all emotional. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, we all know that I come from somewhere, you know, someone carried me in their belly for nine months. Someone birthed me and a separation from one's mother. That's yeah. That touches your soul. Yeah. You know, I definitely recognize that in my own story. So I see you. Um, and I, I just, I can't even imagine you were in the house where she was, you know, where yeah. this happened to her. I just, so you have maybe been like one or a couple of months when she was killed. Yeah. I think, it, um, from what we can, uh, put together, it was three days before my first birthday. Wow. Yeah. So, um, then I spent a year in the orphanage and I was adopted when I was about two. 
Yeah. But all of that, I think, um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll talk about putting the pieces back together in a bit, but like all, all of that, like, because I was so young, I didn't have any conscious memory of what happened. Yeah. So it was sort of um, this, this black hole, or at least that's the way I sort of yeah. imagined it in my head that like for the first two years of my life, I didn't exist. Mm. That was before I knew all this. Cause I, I didn't have access to those memories. I didn't know what happened. It was all sort of like yeah it was just this black hole where I didn't I didn't know I couldn't look into it right I couldn't see what was there it makes sense there was also a big part of you that was not there you know and 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 an infant's world is is its mother and the first I think is definitely the first three years what happens within those three first years is just that you know and I'm speaking also as a survivor experience that that never leaves you yeah those years are so so important so it makes sense this black hole or this space because she wasn't there so that connection you should have had you didn't get that and that I believe that that definitely had an impact on your mind body and spirit but you probably don't recall it exactly because you were so tiny but your soul knows what happened to you you know and your body remembers Mm -hmm. and i think um the other uh what what made this difficult in sort of uh, um, a weird unexpected way is that the family that that raised me was really so wonderful in many ways Mm -hmm. um there was a lot of love and care and you know like my childhood was was great Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like I they were very supportive and um always were honest with me about the lack of information that they had um were very yeah we're, we're just very supportive in general that's not to say it was like perfect we had conflict there was you know uh they're very academic um one is a college was a college professor the other was the president of a college so academics was always important for them and there was something that I struggled at Mm -hmm. Uh, so there was you know I I don't want to make it sound like it was uh, perfect you know all families there's conflict and, and that kind of thing but I think there was an overwhelming sense of love in in the household so trying to reconcile that sort of internal angst and pain and moodiness with like the surroundings that I grew up with was very tough because it was like why do why do I feel like this if you know I again I don't want to say like if everything is objectively perfect but like Mm. if I live in in this uh, nice neighborhood and go to these, you know, good schools and I have good friends. Then why do I feel so um, shitty? <laughs> right? yeah. You know, why why do I feel like something's missing this black yeah. hole? And um, so it, it really wasn't until I was I found out about my birth family that I could start to like fill in some of that. Yeah. Uh, to make sense of some of those feelings. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, to me, when I hear you speak, it makes sense, you know, what you just told about the first two years of your life. Yeah, it makes sense that you felt shitty because, as I said before, something within us, call it soul, call it higher self, whatever you like, it knows what happened before we were able to, like, make meaning of it. Get what I'm saying? Or even remember? Our body never forgets. I don't know if you've read yeah. The Body Keeps the Score. Have that you read is that? on my reading list. I haven't oh, gotten to okay. it. Yeah. But, but everything that we experience, trauma, everything, the body remembers. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's layered in the subconscious. So the separation you, you, you felt uh, from your mother, that's definitely in your body. But I mean, how do you, how do you articulate that when you don't even know, oh, it's because I miss my mother. I'm yearning for my mother. I never had right. that connection. Yeah. You can't yeah. put that into words because you don't even know that that's what it's about. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think that that is exactly what my experience was where like I was feeling things and I couldn't tell my, my parents, mm. my closest friends, um other family members what what i was feeling because i didn't i didn't know right mm, like it, exactly i didn't have access to that yet yeah exactly and it took years to put all those pieces together yeah so that i could look back and be like oh that's why i was feeling this way yeah yeah and it's a big one i don't know if it was for you but when i realized oh I didn't even know I had this within me. It wasn't until I started doing the trauma work yeah. and I was crying and crying and I could not stop. And I was like, my goodness, there is a younger part of me that misses my mother. Yeah. And I yeah. never knew that I missed her, but it makes sense. You know, even though I can't remember her, remember her now, I did get to know her for the first three years of my life. I think the same, is that your cat? Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, what is that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I'm going to get back on track. I can't even remember what I was saying, but. No, no uh, I, yeah. I think you're right. I, um, <laughs> for me, the other piece that made this more complicated was that my uh, biological family sort of objectively had a much harder life. Um, mm -hmm. uh, especially my uh, two older siblings. Mm -hmm. And so it was sort of like after I, I had reunited with my family, you know, I sort of told myself the story. I, not that I shouldn't feel bad, but like they, they had it much worse, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was sort of, how can I feel bad when they've had it so much worse? Yeah. Right. Um, and I don't think that that was you know, um, any sort of like self-loathing or anything like that. I think it was just like, I didn't know, I didn't realize. And so, as you said, one of the big moments for me was like realizing that like the, the war affected all of us, including mm -hmm. myself Yeah. in different ways. Yeah. You know, like one family member suffered from abuse, one suffered from neglect and I, suffered from uh, separation, you know, yeah. abandonment. Yeah. And being able to see that clearly. Yeah. Um, was, was 
difficult, really hard, but also very freeing, I guess, because it it um, gave me words or a way to think about those feelings that I had so early on. Yeah. Yeah, they say the truth hurts, uh, but then it sets you free. So once you see, you know, this is this is what it's about, then that's when you get to sit with it and work, you know, work through it. Um, may I ask, just let me know if it's, this question is too personal, but have you have you got support to, you know, sit with this with a professional and work through it? I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. So I think for me, um, certainly my uh, adoptive parents uh, kind of, I don't want to say put me in counseling. That's probably not fair, but like had me sit with a, a, a therapist when I was yeah. in high school. Okay. And I think at that point I wasn't ready to talk about it. So I just sort of sat there for an hour and didn't say anything, you know, like that <laughs> classic movie trope of like not opening up at all. That was me. Um, and yeah. the psychologist was like, or the therapist was like, if he's not going to talk, it's not going to do us any good. <laughs> And, and I think part of that was like, yeah, I just wasn't ready to, to go there to talk about it. And I didn't know, yeah, I didn't have the words to like communicate to this person. Like, how do you, you know, mm. how do you explain all this? Um, yeah. So I think the real breakthrough for me was actually learning storytelling. Mm -hmm. So uh, the story behind this is that in 2011, I started, or 2010, really, I started working on uh, a documentary film. At the time, I was doing a lot of uh, live streams and doing like, podcasting and talking about my, my family stories, interviewing family members, and it was sort of very uh, low budget. And mm -hmm. a uh, an acquaintance of mine who works in TV and film production approached me on Facebook and said, Hey, like, I really admire what you're doing. Would you ever consider doing a documentary film? Wow. And sort of being naive and, and not knowing anything, I said, Sure, whatever, let's, let's try it. So we <laughs> ended up, uh, we went on Kickstarter and we raised $15,000. We were one of the first 10,000 successful projects on the site. We wow. used that money to fly down to El Salvador in 2011. And we, uh, we shot uh, footage for the documentary film over the course of a week. It was the week that the uh, Day of the Disappeared was being honored in El Salvador. Oh. And it was the first time that the government was publicly acknowledging our existence. So it was this huge historical event that we got to be part of. I got to meet the president of the country at the time. I got to meet other children separated from the family and I got to interview my family about their experiences during the war. So great. We have this amazing footage and we start working on the, on the film. We get like the, the beginning, we get the end and then we just hit this roadblock and me and, and my, uh, the director, my uh, co-creator, we're just button heads the whole time because um, he's like, well, we got to go into the history. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a family story. And, we're talking past each other. Yeah. So fast forward to 2014 and I find this book on story structure and it just like clicks and it's like the, the clouds part. And I'm just like, I see it. Like, this is, this is what we need to, mm -hmm. to, 
to learn in order to finish the story. So I start learning about narrative theory, hero's journey, like all of that kind of um, narrative theory. And it just sort of like, I could see this trip in that structure. And then alongside that, I was like, oh, there's this whole other arc that goes back from when I was 16 to now that is about getting to know my biological family and the struggles of integrating two different cultures, two different lives. Yeah. And that's when I started working on the book. So those two projects in tandem really forced me to like look at my own memories. You know, it, I'm writing them down every day. Yeah. But also it it allowed me to see my experiences in this broader context of all humanity in a way, right? Like yeah. there's this uh just as a quick example, there's this idea in in storytelling of the wound that happens sort of before the story even starts and the character lies to themselves about the the wound and when I when I saw that and I was looking at the film I could see that like on camera I was saying like I'm over what happened with my mother that I feel okay you know like I've grieved for her and I've moved on Mm. and like I remember looking at it and being like, no, I'm, I'm lying. Like, cause I am still wrestling with that grief now. Right. Yeah. So I could see, you know, I could see these story principles in real life, looking at myself and being like, no, I'm lying in that clip. Like yeah. I'm not telling the truth. Yeah. You know, so it was really, um, it was really interesting. And I think, you know, having read about therapy, that is part of yeah. what, what helps it. So, um, not to say like I would never do therapy or that I don't want to do it, but I, I found I've gotten so much out of storytelling and examining my life in that context that I feel like um, it has helped me heal so much from all of this, from all of these experiences. Yeah. So that's been kind of my therapy over the past. Yeah, beautiful. Of years. Absolutely beautiful. And it makes so much sense to me. I mean, the tagline of this podcast is transformative storytelling. And um, because my experience is too, that when we show up authentically and speak from the heart, a uh, transformation happens within uh, ourselves, but also those who listen, you know, yeah. so yeah. I can imagine that that being very um, therapeutic. And, yeah, I, I think yeah. you're right that uh, one of the one of the things I found is in storytelling, there's this idea of the return, right? This is where the hero comes back. You think of Star Wars when they walk in and they have that huge, you know, cathedral <laughs> and they're they're greeted as uh, you know heroes who save the day. <laughs> but I I've come to appreciate that there's something else in that moment that. Um, I was reading this book called Tribe by Sebastian Junger. He wrote, um, he also wrote, uh, what was it? Um, it's another book. Um, anyway, it was it was a movie, not important. But the book Tribe by Sebastian Junger, in it, he talks about how um, Native Americans would uh, traditionally have um, ceremonies, sort of purging ceremonies, when warriors would come back from battle, mm -hmm. they would... Uh, share their stories with the entire village and the mm -hmm. point he was trying to make is that that trauma was not internalized it was shared with the community 
that everyone shared that burden of of the trauma and healing and uh i realized that this this idea of the return of coming back is so important in the healing journey that like yes you you and i we're we're doing our healing but you listener you're just as important because we need people to hear our stories and share some of that burden right yeah that's the idea yeah oh that's so beautiful wow i'm i'm just blown away by this conversation (laughs) (laughs) it's absolutely incredible that was it for today thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode please remember to raise our chemical voices and share this episode on your social media if you would like to guest on the podcast or share your story anonymously please find the link in the episode description Until next time, 